I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Is hair a material? Are biscuits a material? Are crystals a material? Is plastic a material? Is porridge a material? Can gases be a material? Are eggs a material? Is water a material? What do you call everything that isn't a material? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at you, guys. And yet you continue to do so. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to Handmade, the making podcast with real talk about materials. I'm your host, material scientist Anna Podajski, and this episode I'm talking to Sophie Cotterill, who is a weaver and the founder of Wallflower Weavings. I started by asking Sophie the story of how she learned to weave. So I actually started, I think it was about, I think it was 19 and I'd actually moved abroad uh, for one year. I moved to Holland. Um, so I was living in this little rooftop apartment, um, sort of on my own every day, really needed something to occupy my time. I moved, uh, moved over with my partner at the time. Um, and being the Instagram addict that I am, I actually came across weaving on there. And at the time, there were just a handful of people seeming to do sort of take on this new modern take on tapestries. Mm. Um, I just find it really exciting. So I I went out with the minimal funds I had at the time and made a loom out of a picture frame and nails. I bought some really cheap, nasty, old secondhand wool. Yeah. I just gave it a go. Um, and I was just hooked straight away and within six months I had started practicing the methods that I now use every day mm. in my work so spinning and dyeing the wall and washing the wall and, and obviously weaving still uh, so that's, uh, that's six six years ago now so nice. that's when I opened my shop and uh, it's just grown 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 every year which has been great that's awesome. So, so yeah, so you've been doing it for six years. Um, it'd be cool to hear, I guess, like, yeah, what your materials and processes are. Like, how do you, what do you make and how do you make it? So, obviously, by starting with weaving, um, I have to really understand the fibres that I was working with. It's very easy to just assume you can go to your local wool shop and just buy out nice colours and things. But the difference is that a lot of, the most available yarns are acrylic, nylon, synthetic fibres that I really don't take to. They're fine, they're brilliant as well because some people do have allergies to wool, some mm. people are vegan, but there's a huge range of fibres out there now. You've got plant fibres, you've got animal fibres, uh, so there's a lot to work with. So 
while I was leaving, I started to learn more about those fibers and how they could be used. Then I started spinning and just me being me really wanted to go back to the source. Mm. So quite literally, if I could get to the farm and watch yeah. the sheep be shorn, <laughs> that's what I would do. So I like it all to be very traceable and um, obviously being an animal lover as well, I want to know that, you know, it's all legit it's all okay yeah um so i have started working with um different small holders across the uk um who i know really look after their animals and this could be alpacas it could be goats it could be sheep um yeah so that's that's a huge thing obviously and then the, the physical equipment that i work with it's all wooden which is really nice mm. it's very traditional and it goes right back to obviously when these methods were first created and this is going back hundreds thousands of years yeah it's nice to be a little part of that history now mm. um this is just a new phase of popularity in the craft and it's really it's really built up over the past few years i mean from when i started in 2015 2014 now there's a huge world of modern weavers out there and Mm. it's really nice to see and again working with all this natural equipment that doesn't require any really require any electricity Mm. anything like that it's all sustainable practices so that's really nice yeah why is it important to you to go all the way back to the source of your materials you mentioned, you know, working with smallholders and actually, yeah. um, not, I don't know if you actually meet the sheep, but, but as good as. <laughs> if I can, I do. And if they've got a name, that's even better. <laughs> um, I think it, it links in with my own personality, really. I've, you know, I don't eat meat and things like mm. that. I'm very into um, eco-friendly processes at home, mm-hmm. uh, at work, anywhere that I can possibly improve on those aspects, I do. Um, and as with everything, even in the craft world, there is a lot of waste. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of chemical processes. Um, and naturally, people want to be working with the softest walls and the cleanest and the whitest and, you know, everything to be really nice and pure. But I've kind of found a hidden beauty in working with the very natural fibres. I don't mind getting elbow deep in a big bucket full of soapy, sheepy, smelly water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to know that at the end, when I pull it out and dry it, it's going to be beautifully clean, fresh mm. and natural wool. And, you know, I lay it out on the grass outside. I'll do the natural drying process outside as well. Um, so summer really is the key time for all of that because you know you get the sunshine you can really make the most of the materials that way mm. so I build up through the summer get all of that work done to give me you know a winter's worth of materials to work with too cool. so do you dye with natural materials as well or do you use acid dyes or yeah so I do occasionally use acid dyes um, I know that seems quite contradictory however because when the material is in the water soaking up the dye, you should be left with a completely clear water by the end. Mm. The material will soak up all of that acid dye and it won't then go into the environment. Mm. So that's something I'm quite careful with. 
um, and I try not to use it as much. But yes, for natural dyes, so this is this could be vegetables, it could be tree bark, it could be tea, coffee, mm. rust, bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is actually available, you know, either from your local supermarket, you can get mm-hmm. beetroot, onion skins, mm. rhubarb root as well. Oh. It, it's amazing what you can use. Yeah. Um, thankfully, my, we do have a family allotment, so great. Um, I do find a lot of uh, materials there to work with mm. especially the, I mean, the rhubarb root was amazing you would never think to look at it but it's this great big gnarled root it's almost like a mandrake <laughs> and you chop into it and it's bright yellow it's golden really and the color was incredible that came from that mm. and likewise you know onion skins quite unassuming mm-hmm. again a really golden color um, and then you have, you know, you can source indigo online, mm. which is an incredible process because as it oxidizes, you know, it will start in the water as a sort of clear greeny mm. color. You'll lift it out and you can physically right in front of you see it turn to the deepest blue. That's amazing. Just incredible. So yeah. it's a lot of fun to experiment with and anybody can do it again in a lot of low impact ways because it can only be done in some solar dyeing um, mm. leaving things out for a week in a jar in the sun and you take it out and you've got either the colour you wanted or something completely unexpected. <laughs> it depends on how you've done it and, yeah. and what it's been exposed to. So, mm. Yeah, so that's a lot. It all sounds very experimental. How did you learn all of this stuff? Did you just pick it up as you went along? Yeah, pretty much. Um I was quite happy to just experiment and see what happened. Mm. Again, because of when I started in Holland and I didn't have many facilities to work with, I didn't have much money. I mm. had to get quite creative. Mm. Um, I had a lot of time on my hands, so I was just messing about every yeah. day, just trying different things. Cool. So I was actually quite excited to come back to the UK because I felt that there were I would be able to really dive deeper into it and have um you know be able to go and actually meet the small holders mm. be able to revisit the family allotment to get the natural dye plants um and actually start investing in some equipment as well that I could not fit into that little rooftop roof apartment so <laughs> yeah it was nice to to come home and really get into that mm. yeah. So you mentioned feeling part of the sort of history and tradition of weaving. Um, I'd like to talk to you about weaving itself, actually, but but um, just going down this historical tangent quickly. Um, do, have you looked much into, you know, the history of it? Sort of where I know that you mentioned that you were in Holland um, when I wrote my book. And there's a wool chapter in there. I remember reading about the kind of Dutch weavers. Was a, It was a real industry over there. Um, sort of, you know, I guess before the Industrial Revolution when everything became mechanised. Mm. Do you know much about the history of it? I don't know a great deal. I think that's going to sound awful. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, at any opportunity I get, I will, because obviously I like to visit mills across mm. the UK um, and I do like to speak with people about the histories there. Mm. Um, I think the main thing is just feeling quite proud to be, like I say, yeah. a little cog in that system that you're keeping it going you're reviving it because I think the last revival 
of tapestries and weaving was in the 70s. Had a lot of macrame, mm. you know, that was the sort of the craft resurgence. Then it died down a little bit again, but obviously, as you know now, there are knitters, crochets, everybody is doing something yeah. to do with wool in a way. Yeah. So it's just nice to, yeah, keep that going and, and sort of enlighten people to another craft that they probably hadn't thought of. Mm, definitely. So, so tell yeah. us about weaving then, you know, what what's the process? What do you... What's your thought process when you sit down to make a piece? It's quite interesting because I've made a lot of friends who weave as mm. well, um, and we all have completely different approaches. So um, your base equipment is a loom. Now, traditional looms would have been great big structures. So you've got all the pedals, you've got all the bits and bobs, very, very complicated. And that's something that I would really love to learn to use one day mm. um but they're quite quite hard to find quite hard to be taught how to use them as well but um at home you can work with a frame so as I say when I first started it was just an A4 picture yeah. frame I knocked nails in at the top and bottom parallel and then that's that's your sort of very basic setup mm. um I've obviously now got some better equipment mm-hmm. um and again, it's basically, you've got your warp and your weft. And the thing I love about that is that it's, so it really is woven into society. It's everywhere you look. Once you recognise that pattern, mm. it's everywhere. Um, so up and down, up and down, that's your warp. Okay. The weft is the design and that goes across. Ah, Okay. And there are so many different techniques that you can use, but you're basically creating this. It is a fabric, really. Um, mm. And I'm trying to think of the best way to explain it, really. <laughs> I think, well, when I go about it, um, I don't really have a plan. I just sort of go for it. So I've I wouldn't say mastered. I think there's always more to learn, but I've certainly narrowed down my favourite techniques mm. and ways to keep that structure very strong. Um, so I start from the bottom and work up. So the fringing in the tapestry, that's what I start with first. However, I do know that other people will actually work upside down. Okay. They'll start from the very top of the design, mm. and work down the loom and finish with the fringe. Mm. That just baffles me. I ca- I cannot do that. <laughs> so the fringe is always at the bottom. Is that right? Me, I yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, so, there are there are no limitations really with, with what you can create when moving. But that standard design that I usually create, you'll have some beautiful fringing at the bottom, and then you'll have a woven body, mm-hmm. um, and then you'll finish it off with a, a dowel or a branch at the top mm-hmm. and hang it on the wall. Got you. Um, so it's again going back to rug making it's all sort of developed into a way that you can bring it into a modern home Mm. so how how does your because your technique sound you know very traditional like they haven't really changed how do you what is a contemporary spin on this I think um it's I would probably say it is the influence of Instagram Okay. <laughs> <Interest>. <laughs> I think it's that people have found a way to integrate a lot of modern trends mm. into something that they can 
put on stone walls. You'd still want it in your homes. People could look back at a, a piece that's 100 years old. They could respect it, but maybe wouldn't want it in their home. Mm. I would. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, I think people have found ways to prettify these things mm. and turn them into you know additions to the home that are easy to integrate into your gallery walls and things like that a lot of modern colors being introduced you know i work in quite a probably quite a natural and organic whimsical style mm. uh, a lot of influence from nature and mm-hmm. flowers hence the name wallflower weaving um, but I also know a lot of people that work in quite modern styles, very mm. minimal, and mm. I really, really like that style just as much. Um, I think the main thing is everybody, no matter who you are, even if you did try to mimic the style of somebody else, your two hands can only produce the style that you are sort mm. of destined to make. You can't recreate anybody else's work. It's it's a, it's very unique to each person and it's again about the understanding of the materials you're working with too because that makes a huge difference yeah how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah. So you hinted um, earlier that when you're creating the piece, you have to consider the kind of mechanical properties of it almost like the strength I think you said strength um you know when you're when you're creating these pieces how much what are the factors I suppose in that and and what are you thinking about when you're trying to make something that is going to be strong so the basic um method of so the the, the, the sort of 
basic technique is called tabby weave mm-hmm. and that is that your weft so your sideways design that goes under over under over mm-hmm. under over your warp strings and um, your warp will usually be one material maybe a thin cotton thread mm. your weft can be anything I mean you can mix it up but that is how I start the base of it being a strong structure um and then as it turns back on itself it will go the opposite way and that's you know if you carried on like that you would end up with a block of fabric Mm -hmm. basically um you can change this up by using different techniques you can create a braiding effect you can create looping effects um fringing as well um it's just about knowing where to placing so interesting um what do you get out of doing this oh so much (laughs) um I well when I first started it was a bit of an escape really Mm. because I I was in a new place and I felt I didn't have much purpose I took an opportunity to move abroad but you know I was on my own a lot of the time um so firstly it was a newfound source of creativity Mm. Uh, and then I also met a lot of people online uh, that were doing similar things and I'm still friends with those people today oh nice so that's been really rewarding and they're all over you know in Australia Canada (laughs) yeah yeah all over the place um so that's been amazing um and I think a lot of people I mean I have previously done an interview about the mental health benefits Mm. of weaving um I think it applies to all crafts but there is something quite unique about weaving because you've got, you really slow down and you really get into the process. You kind of end up in a bit of a daydream and you've just got the sound of the wooden equipment. Mm. You've got the sensations and the tactile nature of all the materials you're working with. So I think in that sense, it's definitely a bit of an escape. Mm. It's a way to just slow down and push everything out of your mind. So if I'm having a bad day, weaving is what I want to be doing by the end of it to sort of level myself out completely. Mm. And I know a lot of people do find um, some nice respite in, in that process as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, are there any... What future directions do you want to go in with this? You know, what are your aims or your hopes and dreams with it? Oh, gosh. Well, I I had a taste of doing this full time through lockdown. Okay. And it was amazing. It was fantastic. <laughs> um, I would love to end up doing workshops. Mm. Um, so it's not been possible this past year, but 
I would love to actually meet people locally and, and do classes and teach people. I yeah. did release a tutorial last summer uh, for people to start trying out um, and people really enjoyed that. And I think to actually see people in person and, you know, have a group of people around a table, be able to speak to them this way and, mm. and share any knowledge that I've obtained so far would be really rewarding. Mm. Um, and generally any way to continue learning about the process and adding new factors into it because spinning has become just as much of an important practice for me mm. as weaving has. Um, so again, that's something that I would like to explore more. Mm-hmm. So that actually really leads me nicely onto my next question, which is yeah. if if listeners have been have felt inspired by hearing your story, particularly the fact that, you know, you were able just to to start with very, very basic equipment. Um, where would you recommend or what would you recommend they do to kind of have a go themselves? So because the popularity of weaving and spinning uh, has increased so much in recent years, there are a lot of um, sources online. You can find a lot of kits. Mm-hmm. You can find books. Um, YouTube naturally is yeah. full of <laughs> tutorials and people come up with the most fantastic ways to build your own equipment uh, on a budget. Uh, looms themselves are not um, super expensive. Um, obviously, I'm sure you, as they get bigger, as they get more complex, uh, they can do. But to start off with, you know, if you're, you're a new weaver and you want to just sit on the couch mm. and have a go at something, Netflix in the background, <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. a really good way to do it because you, you know, they're called lap looms and you can just sit there with it on your lap. Uh, all you would need you can use a a fork from your kitchen and a needle (laughs) and that's all you would need to get started really um so it it can be done very cheaply and Mm. it's there are a lot of um i'd say a lot of sources online to help in learning the techniques yeah that's awesome um is there anything else you want to chat about before we wrap up anything you want to mention or sort of of your own work that you want to plug oh actually um it'd be really interesting to hear have you got a favorite piece of work that you've done or one that you're particularly proud of just everything came together like you'd hoped oh gosh do you know I, that actually makes me, I, I wish that I'd made a count of all the pieces I've actually ever made <laughs> yeah. um I think I'd probably surprise myself if I could actually see that number yeah um I think the pieces that have challenged me in that so once I had to make a piece to hang in somebody's stairwell they have very high ceilings Mm. so this you know from the top of the stairs looking forward it would be that full space there yeah and it was a landscape it had to be oh wow it was sort of hills and the sun and rainbow wow I didn't have a loom big enough (laughs) yeah um so I had to rig one up so I hijacked a dining table and I had to get some really strong brackets I had to make a loom across the table amazing just to be able to make this piece um (laughs) and I I, I was I think I just stood there and stared at it thinking how have I said yes to this how can I have faith that I'm actually going to pull this off nice Uh, but it came out beautifully yeah I I was really really happy with it and um you know it was really well received online Mm. Uh, the the 
client most importantly they loved it yeah. um so that was definitely that stands out to me yeah a piece I'm very proud of but um I've also created pieces even small ones quick ones but as gifts for people or mm. sort of in memory of certain occasions or mm. times um you know even if say I was going through a hard time with something and I made a piece just to relax myself as I said before if it was yeah. a bit of an escape then those pieces are equally as important because it's almost like a little piece of nostalgia mm. maybe. um so that's always been um, a nice process as well so every single piece has been unique and I've enjoyed you know I, I put my all into every single one yeah. um but yeah definitely anything that challenges me a bit more is always nice yeah an opportunity to learn challenge. new stuff <laughs> what yeah. was that sorry I'll take on any challenge if people come to me with a brief that just sounds a bit bonkers I'm really excited <laughs> because I just think right how can I do this let's let's do this so that's great it's always nice to have an opportunity to learn new stuff I remember that um so I've I got into knitting over the last couple of years and I you know when you look at a pattern and there's like four stitches that you've got no idea how to do them or but but the end product you can see is going to be really great (laughs) I love that challenge because uh sometimes people do come to me and say do you have a pattern for that weaving that you made can I buy it yeah yeah make it but it it's not the same mm. as knitting which I feel so I have I have dabbled in knitting mm. but it's very obviously methodic it's yep. it's you know you've got the stitches but you've got to count you've got to know exactly where mm. you're going with it yeah at the end piece whereas I do find that weaving is very free form mm. um so you are unable to provide a pattern because as I say people will produce a completely different piece of artwork even if they did work with some kind of design or pattern or directions so it's it's quite a nice one to just any anybody can try it and just dive in and give it a go and Mm. you'll always come out with something that's really nice that you can hang on the wall yeah yeah how long does it take actually to because knitting is obviously quite a slow process is weaving faster I would say it's, it's probably equal. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's very time-consuming. Um, there are a few ways that you can sort of help speed yourself up, but mm. overall, I think it's, as with knitting, it's part of taking on that slow process and being quite careful with what you're doing that makes it so rewarding. Yep. Um, but I would say on average, um, minimum four hours on a piece. Okay. That would be a smaller one. Mm. There's different levels of intricacy yeah. um, involved. You know, some people like a quite a chunky, minimal piece, which would be quite fast. Um, again, but you would still be looking at about three hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you went for something that was much more intricate, using finer walls and threads, mm. um, then you're looking at quite an intensive process. Mm. So either way, it's still fun yeah for sure (laughs) well if listeners have enjoyed hearing from you and want to check out your stuff where can they find you online uh so the best way would be instagram uh which is smallflower underscore weaving uh that's where i share all my posts my latest projects and you get a really good insight into the background of it all so Mm -hmm. um 
through my stories, which I post most regularly. So you'll see anything from the latest yarn on the wheel, the latest leavings, uh, whatever I'm up to in the yard, if I'm dyeing anything, washing any new fleece. Also, the shenanigans that my cats get up to when they're getting <laughs> stuck into it all as well. Excellent. So, yeah, yeah, there's a lot to see on there. It's quite interesting. Um, it's a decent thing myself. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me on the podcast. It's been really fascinating to hear your, yeah, your processes and your approaches. And I can't wait to see what you do next. Yeah, it's been great to join you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> So that was the wonderful Sophie Cotterell on all things weaving. Thanks so much to her for coming on the podcast. A reminder that my book, Handmade, A Scientist's Search for Meaning Through Making, is out now. It's available to order um, as a hardback and you can also find it in all good bookshops. If Kindle copies are more your thing, you can get hold of those online and the audiobook version is out online too. If you want to hear more about the book, you can go back to listen to the episode a few ago, The Called Handmade, where you can hear me interviewed by the wonderful Hannah Ayub, who provided illustrations for the book as well. Let me know if you've read the book and what you think of it, or you can just say hi to me on social media. I'm at Anna Pajaisky. That's everything for this episode of the podcast. As always, it would be awesome if you could like, subscribe, rate and review the podcast. You can say hello to us on social media as well. We're on Twitter at Real Talk, that's R-I-A-L Talk, and on Instagram at Handmade Pod. If you feel like supporting the podcast with a one-time financial donation, you can do so at supporter.acast.com forward slash handmade. A huge thanks to everyone who's already done so. It really does help to keep the podcast going. And a massive thanks, as always, to Alex Lathbridge for the music mix next week i'll be talking to richard weeter who is a neon artist and founder of neon sign company neon workshops so until then take care and i'll speak to you next time on handmade small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.